this church. So make sure you let them know how much. Thank you. Thank you for the gift certificates that we receive. I haven't done absolutely nothing in this church. And yet I receive uh, plenty of gift certificates. Thank you so much. I won't be cooking this week. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I feel blessed and uh, haven't done much, but I'm sure it's payback time. All the staff is looking at me saying, we'll make you do something this week. Would you close your eyes one more time and, and pray as we ask for a special blessing? God, what we want to know is how to live a life that will show other people that we love you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One day, Abraham invited a beggar to his tent for a meal. When grace was being said, the man began to curse God, declaring he could not bear to hear his name. Seized with indignation, Abraham drove the blasphemer away. When he was at his prayers that night, God said to him, This man has cursed and reviled me for 50 years, and yet I have given him food to eat every day. Could you not put up with him for a single meal? Was it too hard to put up with him for a single meal? When it comes to dealing with people, I got to be honest, it's pretty hard. Amen for that. <laughs> We're in church. We can be honest. It's difficult. I mean, if you work in the healthcare system, I'm sure you can tell me a bunch of stories about how your patients drove you crazy. And I know it's, you're not supposed to say anything. You're just supposed to smile and just treat them. But dealing with people is so hard. If you work for an institution, somehow in the education system, you too can tell me stories about parents or students. Who made your heart difficult? If you work in the business world, well, you can't say much because the customer is always right. And um, you can't be honest. But, but if, I, if I were to ask you this morning to please share some of your stories, you would share about your coworkers, your employees, because dealing with people is hard. What about the people that we live with? Our roommates? Our spouses? Our brothers, sisters? Our children? Our parents? Dealing with each other can be hard. This week I was walking in um, Barnes & Noble. I just got kind of lost. I usually stay in the magazine section right there by the coffee shop. And, and I, I, just, I just like to just kind of meditate and see um, what's going on around the world. But I was just wandering around and got lost. And I came across the self-improvement section self-improvement section. I don't know if the Spirit was leading me. I don't know if God was trying to speak to me, but voila, self-improvement section. As I was passing, right, I, I heard my name, Saul, 
There was this book in particular that was calling my name. I turn around and look at the title and I'm like, me? Like, yeah, you. So I look at the book and I saw the title. Very captivating. 201 Ways to Deal with Difficult People. Now, I wasn't thinking about anybody in particular. You have to know I'm new here, so I don't know anything about your history. And I know you guys are all friendly and very nice. I was just thinking this book could be helpful maybe in another church. (laughs) 201 ways to deal with difficult people. I decided to open it up and look at it. And and, and I found... A couple of things that I want to share with you. No, I know this is not a bestseller. This is not the best book you will ever read. But I still found a few things that were practical, at least in my life. And this morning, I want to share with you. The first thing the author says, begin dealing with difficult people by realizing that they really care very little about you. <laughs> Their focus is themselves, only themselves. Don't take what they say or do too personal. Pretty much, they don't care about you. Number two, difficult people won't change on their own. And, unfortunately, it's not likely that you will be able to change them. Before you let this fact depress you, consider that because they tend not to change, their behavior is usually predictable. Number three, keep difficult people in perspective by recognizing that they are in the minority. Focus on your friends and family. Focus on colleagues who are helpful and on clients with whom it's a pleasure to work. Don't let difficult people become the mud in your eye that clouds your vision. Last thing I want to share from this book. And no, it's not a Christian book. Practice generosity and graciousness. Nothing confers greater authority and power than treating your enemies as you would your friends. Wow. Dealing with people, it's hard. Living with each other can be complicated. We definitely need some help. The good thing is that Jesus, before he left, he made sure we had a word of advice. In fact, we actually call it a command because this is something that we must do, especially as a community. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 31, this is what Jesus said, and I'm just going to make it very clear. Love, love, love your neighbor as yourself. If if you look at the context of, of the conversation that took place on this chapter, You're going to find out that in chapter 11 to 14, scholars will tell us by by reading every single verse that this is the last week of Jesus here on earth. This is his last week before he is arrested and crucified. This is his last week. It's a very important week. In fact, this is a week that we're going to get a lot of the profound prophecies about the end of time, especially at the end of Matthew. I mean, this is a very important week. And if you pay attention, you're going to notice that this particular conversation took place on a Tuesday, his last Tuesday. Now, if I was Jesus, and uh, it's my last Tuesday on planet Earth, I personally would not go to staff meeting. 
I'm sorry, guys. I have a lot of fun with you guys talking about church and all these great things. But if it's my last Tuesday, I'm not going to bother going to work. I go to Claim Jumpers. I go catch a movie, rent a movie at Blockbuster, um, hang out with my friends, maybe play video games. Just have a beautiful, relaxing Tuesday. But if you look in Mark chapter 12, you're going to find out that Jesus, because he was so passionate and committed to his ministry, to humanity, he chose to go to the temple, to the temple courts. And when he got there, he was not greeted like we are greeted every morning. Good morning. Happy Sabbath. How you doing? Are you a visitor? You know how it is. You come to a church, and even though it's your first time, you feel welcome. Well, the Bible says that Mark, in Mark chapter 11, Jesus shows up, verse 27, and it says that he arrived in Jerusalem, and, and rather than hearing the good morning, the how you doing, Jesus, he gets all the religious leaders, the priests, the teachers of the law, and they all come, and, and, and they just kind of gang on him, and they just they surround him, and they begin to give him a hard time, and they begin to ask him, you know, what, who do you think you are? What kind of authority do you have? I don't think you're a good guy. I think you're a bad guy. And they just begin to question everything. Jesus said, talking about dealing with people, especially difficult people. But if you look, chapter 11, 12, and 13, this happened during the same day. Jesus was so gracious and so loving that he responded to their questions. He continued at some point talking about the kingdom of God and showing, you know, what God is like, his character, and he gave some parables. And while he's doing this at the temple, imagine the staff of the church, the senior pastor, the youth pastor, the young adult, the family pastor, and everybody's just teaming up together trying to arrest Jesus. They're planning to call the cops. They're planning to accuse him, call lawyers, and just, just figure out how to arrest Jesus. They just didn't like him. If you keep reading chapter 12, verse 13, you find out that they sent a delegation, a smaller group of people, to continue giving Jesus a hard time. They ask him, should we pay taxes? Should we give part of our salaries to the government? Jesus was very gracious. He answers to them. And just when, he thought, when you thought he was done, there is another group of religious people who came and asked him about the resurrection and about marriage. This is a long day for Jesus. And just when we're getting ready to finish and to relax, the Bible says in verse 28, and this is where I want to draw the lesson from. Chapter 12, verse 28 of the book of Mark. The Bible says that one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them of all the commandments which is the most important? Which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Wow. Summarize the entire law. 600 plus laws that they had for their religion. And Jesus said, the most important thing, love God and love people. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about loving God 
She mentioned that the word love, the word used here is, is the word agape, which is the higher call to, to love somebody. It's a sacrificial love that requires everything. Notice Jesus explained after he said loving God, he says you need all your, your, all your mind, you need your strength, you need your soul, you need your heart, you need everything. You need a full commitment to love God. And I'm sure that the teacher of the law agree, and I'm sure all of us agree, and we can all say amen this morning. We're so excited. Yes, we need to commit to God. We need to give everything we have to him. But then Jesus continued the conversation and said, and the second. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And this is, this is where I, I think things get kind of difficult. We love the part of loving God. Most of us claim to love God. Most of us say, I love God. Don't bother me. I don't have to do this or the other. I just love God. John, in his first letter, in 1 John chapter 4, he said, you know what? Wait a minute. No one has seen God. So, so you, no one can say, I love God. You know, you don't even see him. But if you love people, then obviously you love God because God lives with us. So these commands go together, like Pastor Chris said, they, they got to go hand in hand. And even though the teacher of the law didn't ask for the second most important command, Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. And this is where we all have a problem. We like loving God and we prefer loving the Sabbath. We love God and we love being vegetarians. We love God, we love taking naps on Sabbath. But loving God and loving people, isn't that like water and oil, two completely different things? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus uses, the, again, the word agape, which just requires a full commitment, everything we have, you know, our hearts, our soul, our mind, our strength, everything we have, we must use it to love one another, to love our neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, most of us don't have a problem with this command, especially if we have good neighbors. If you have a neighbor that cooks for you, our treasurer was, was telling me that every time she comes from Costco, you know, her neighbors just run out to help her out. In fact, she knows what time she should go to Costco. So when she comes back, she has a couple of her neighbors just ready to help her out. And that's what I'm talking about. Those are good neighbors. I got to move in into her neighborhood. Let me tell you about my neighbors. And I'm going to be honest with you. I live in Grand Terrace, the blessed city of Grand Terrace. And um, in this city, I... You know, we, we live in this apartment complex where I have uh, different kinds of neighbors. To the right, I have a group of young men who go to work early. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I'm glad they work early. The only problem is they like to wake up with music. 6 a.m., not a good thing. I love music. I love their music. I have no problem with their music. But at 6 a.m., when I'm trying to catch up on my sleep, when I'm just trying to see if I can somehow make it for another 30, 45 minutes, I don't like my walls to shake with their beat. To the left, we have this neighbor who has a 7-year-old kid. It's a cute little buddy who, who, who likes to skate. He's pretty good. 
But at 7 a.m. on Sundays when I'm trying to sleep in, when it's the only day my wife and I can sleep in, it's not a good idea. <laughs> Especially when he's in front of my window trying to do his ollie and his little tricks. I just want to grab a Bible and throw it at him. <laughs> in front of me, there's another neighbor. He's a young adult, and uh, he's really cool. He's very friendly, and... Um, He's very social. Now, there's nothing wrong being social. I was pretty social in college. The only problem is that he likes to have parties. And most parties start at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. He just lives in front of me. Now, it wouldn't be that bad if, if there was only two or three people attending the party. But when you invite the entire university, the entire college, and, and they're stuck in this two-bedroom apartment, man, we hear everything. We can hear him laugh, we can hear him joke, we can hear him scream. And then, my favorite neighbor. <laughs> he has a 4x4, 2008, four-door Nissan truck. Beautiful. Pretty high. The only problem is that he can't park. And so he takes two parking spaces. Now, in our place, spaces are limited. Spaces are just like a blessing. You know, I mean, you got to get there on time just so you can park, you know. And so we really depend on everybody staying in the lines. But this guy and his wife, both of them, I don't know where they got their license, Walmart, Kmart. I don't know. They can't park. And they always take two parking spaces. It's frustrating. It's annoying. I get mad all the time. You know, one time I park and I... You know, I was tired. I was on a, on a hurry. I needed to go inside my house and just watch TV. And, and so <laughs> I didn't do a good job parking. And I left a couple inches of my front bumper um, uh, in front of, of, of the line that divides the parking spaces. Obviously, I was taking two inches away from the other person. You know, I'm so sorry. I was tired, exhausted. I needed to, to you know, to just recharge watching TV. And... Um, <laughs> The next morning, when I get to get my car, I get this little note from my neighbor. I know it was him. Learn how to park, jerk. I'm like, happy Sabbath to you. <laughs> wow. I didn't know we, we knew each other by name. I mean, wow. <laughs> now I know his name is Joey, and so I've been tempted to write him a letter, too. When it comes to loving our neighbors, it depends what kind of neighbors we have. If we have good neighbors, we don't mind. Love God, love your neighbor. But if we have bad neighbors, love God and love the Sabbath. Because dealing with people could be difficult. There was a reason why in the book of Luke chapter 12, a scholar asked Jesus to clarify Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Because when you're quoting the second command, the second most important command, you're referring to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. We heard it. We grew up going to, you know, to the synagogue. We, we grew up from, from the rabbi, from the teachers. You know, you got to love your neighbor. We understand. But back then, back in the days when Moses wrote the law, this man, anybody who belonged to the nation of Israel, 
You see, times had changed with the Roman Empire building roads, connecting all the worlds, connecting all the countries, connecting all the villages. Things were just more international, more global. It was a melting pot. You get to see people from all kinds of backgrounds. And now it was more complicated. You could not, you could not, you could not say your neighbor was, was, it was a Hebrew or a Jew. Now your, your neighbor was, was, was a Samaritan, a Roman, a Greek, an Egyptian. So they really wanted to make sure that as they followed the law of God, Jesus could explain, who are we supposed to love? Who is my neighbor? Jesus, tell us, who is my neighbor? And in verse 30 of the book of Luke, chapter 10, Jesus tells a story, a story that is now known as the story of, of the Good Samaritan. In fact, if you go to Loma Linda University, there's a beautiful statue that reminds us of what Jesus said in this story. And this morning, if you don't mind, I just want to read it to you, just kind of to refresh our memory. Who is my neighbor? Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of the robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. I'm sure they took his iPod, his, his, you know, his iPhone. You know, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on to the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then he asked, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert, the scholar, the one who had asked the question replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Notice, you know this, Samaritans, Jews, they couldn't live with each other. They hated one another. Jesus was giving this story that was offending the Jewish nation. How a Samaritan would be a good neighbor. How could he love one another? How could he put his difference aside and take care of somebody who was in need? If you really look at the story, you're going to find out that the Samaritan didn't care, you know, what, what nationality he was. He didn't ask for a social security number. He didn't like to see a passport. He didn't, like for bank, he didn't ask for bank statements to see if he was wealthy or poor. He didn't ask for, for, for certificates or, 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 or any paper. From, he didn't ask for education degrees. He didn't ask for his diploma from Loma Linda University, Princeton, Harvard. He didn't like, he didn't ask for membership of a church. He didn't ask. He just loved his neighbor, took care of his needs. And Jesus not only said, our neighbors, anyone who's around us, but he also said, this is how we should take care of one another. 
Desire of Ages has this beautiful quote that I want to read to you. Christ has shown that our neighbor does not mean merely one of the church or faith to which we belong. It has no reference to race, color, or class distinction. Our neighbor is every person who needs our help. Our neighbor is every soul who is wounded and bruised by the adversary. Our neighbor is everyone who is the property of God. Dealing with people is hard. But we are commanded as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as followers, to love our neighbor as yourself, as ourselves. I, I personally like the last part, ourselves. We're so good at taking care of ourselves, aren't we? I, I share with the first service that when it comes to shopping for myself, I just go out, and if I like something, I just buy it, shoes, pants, jackets, you name it, video games. If I like it, I get it. If I'm hungry, I go to a restaurant. If I'm thirsty, I go to 7-Eleven. If I'm cold, I turn on the heater. If I'm hot, I turn on the AC. I take care of myself. But when it comes to taking care of somebody else, somehow things are different. For example, in Christmas, suddenly we're in a budget, right? You know, $5.99, don't spend anything else on, you know, and your father and your mother. You know, you just, you, you know, the economy is hard on all of us. But you go out there and buy a $100 pair of shoes. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. He knew that we take care of ourselves. And he was asking us to do the same thing with others. Now, I'm the new guy here in this church. And forgive me if I don't remember your names. Uh, if I don't remember your positions, I might call you pastor when you're just an elder or, or the teacher. Um, I'm just trying to learn everything I can from this church. One of the things I have learned, I think the coolest thing I have learned, is that you guys have made it a priority. In fact, when you guys came out with your mission statement, you guys wanted to, to just, just let the world know that you guys didn't want to be famous for your buildings, for your programs, for your concerts. You wanted the world, the community to know you because you love God. And you love people. I have to commend you. I'm excited. I was nervous. Now I'm excited. When I first came, I'm like, I don't know anybody, you know. But now I'm excited because you are committed to loving God and loving people. What does that mean? That means that we got to love one another regardless of what we like how we dress, how we talk, how we look, where we graduated from, what we believe. When it comes to loving one another, there are no distinctions. So if you voted Democrat, Republican, Independent, if you forgot to vote, it does not matter. We don't argue. We don't fight. We just love you. If we have differences, we don't give up. We don't transfer our membership. We stay together because we are committed to loving one another. Now, I, I've been pastoring for only five years, and one of the things I, I learned is that in the Inland Empire, there's so many churches, and that could be a blessing. 
but it also occurs. Because whenever one of us have a problem, whenever there's a differences, whenever there's something that we don't like, rather than dealing, rather than taking the opportunity to practice this command in loving people, rather than doing that, what we do is just transfer out. Just give up. Oh, that Yukaipa has an opening. Let's go there. Oh, let's go to Redlands. But not this church. And I'm glad. I'm excited. I'm happy. Loving God and loving people, that is a commitment. I want to leave you with one illustration, that I, personal illustration of mine that I like. In his book, Anthony DeMello writes that a guru asked his disciples one day how they could tell when the night had ended and the day begun. One said, when you see an animal in the distance and can tell whether it is a cow or a horse. Nope, said the guru. When you look at a tree in the distance and can tell if it is an apple tree or a mango tree. Wrong again, said the guru. Well then, what is it? asked his disciples. When you look into the face of any man and recognize your brother in him. When you look into the face of any woman and recognize in her your sister. If you cannot do this, no matter what time it is, by the sun it is still dark. Calimessa, let us be an example to our denomination, to our community, and why not? To the world, what it means to love God. And to love people. At this point, I want to ask two families. The Neil family and also the Peinado family, Rivera, to join me up in the front. What we're going to do is take some time to meditate on this, our mission statement. Loving God and loving people. It's not something that we're just going to say once a week. Something that we're going to live every day of the week. And um, Marianne Jorte, she's an artist and created these beautiful banners. And at this point, we want to unveil them. We want to make sure all of us remember that we are committed to loving God and loving people.
Thanks be to God for roses rare, for skies of blue and sunshine fair, for every gift I raise a prayer. Thanks be Thanks be to God for lovely night, for mystic fields with stars bedight, for hours of dream and deep delight. first loved us and in return we commit this morning not only to love you worship you and praise you but also to love one another starting from the people that live with us to the people in this church and in the community let us go knowing that you have called us to be loving people in Jesus name we pray amen Thank you. 